red? Yes. Okay, cool. The sad thing is I did not think of a song to ask you to do. <laughs> do you have a song <laughs> that you want like me to do? I, I just did not even think about a song for this one. Well, I mean, why don't we kind of go like a little um, off the cuff here and maybe just actually sing the song that the that is the theme of the character of the movie? <laughs> I mean, you know, we don't do that enough. We don't just go, you know, if we, when it's Lion King, why not just sing something from the Lion King? Well, it's Cruella. Cruella DeVille has a song. Does so. she? I don't even know the song. You're talking about from, from the 101 cartoons, right? Dalmatians? Oh, from 101 Dalmatians? <laughs> I don't remember it. I should have watched don't those movies it? before. Yeah. Yeah, that movie's like, what is it, 1963? So I don't blame you. And I'm a <laughs> Disney nut, so that's why I know. Well, of course. May, well, maybe you'll, maybe you'll remember it. Maybe, it. maybe it'll sound a little familiar. I know you heard it in the movie, because they do sing it in the movie. But I'll just sing a little excerpt. How about that? We'll just do a little excerpt. Let's do it. So anyway, from 1963, 101 <laughs> Dalmatians. Cruella de Cruella de If she doesn't scare you, no evil thing will. To see her is to take a sudden chill. Cruella, Cruella de There you go. Cruella de <laughs> 1963. That was good. It does sound vaguely familiar now, but I would never would have remembered that off the top of my head. Nice. Yeah. Um, the husband in, in the original 101 Dalmatians movie, there's a husband and wife and um, Cruella's, the, the car drives up and Cruella's about to come to the house and harass them about how she wants the Dalmatian dogs so she can skin them and make a coat or whatever. And bef- as she's coming to the door, the husband starts singing this song that he kind of made up to make fun of her. And, you know, the whole time he's singing, the wife is like, stop it. Don't do that. Don't sing that about her. And he sings this song and like that. It's just kind of one of the things about that movie that made it a classic and which is why we have this movie, you know. So did yeah. you did you watch the other movies before you saw Cruella? Um, I was going to, and then I saw the reviews. <laughs> I was, I was going to do it though. I was going to watch, go back and watch 101 Dalmatians. Cause honestly, I haven't seen that movie since I was a child. Like yeah, it's been same. forever. Like it's been probably like late eighties since I've seen that movie, but I was going to watch that. And then I was going to watch at least the first 101 Dalmatians remake. And then I saw the reviews for that remake and like, it was bad. Like I was reading so many bad comments and, Oh, it's terrible. Why would anybody make this, this, then the other. So I was like, uh, I'm not going to do that. So I wound up just kind of watching like a 101 Dalmatians, like recap on YouTube. I just watched one of those little five minute, like this is the movie and this is what happened. So I watched that. I watched like some of the Cruella DeVille scenes just to kind of re-familiarize myself with the character. And then, you know, 
so that I just kind of be a little more prepared to watch this because I kind of forgot things about her, you know? So, yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. I should have probably at least like did a recap. I typically try to do that, but with this one, I did not. And I, I do remember liking the cartoon a lot when I was a kid, but, uh, yeah, I just, I should have, I should have refreshed my memory on it. I did not do that, but I'm sure stuff will probably come up as we're talking about this movie. (laughs) So maybe I'll refresh it as we talk about this one. Um, but and another good subject too is like, do you even really need to? But but now <laughs> thinking true. about it, uh, after watching this, I'm kind of like, well, did I need any of that <laughs> to watch this? <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of another subject entirely because that's debatable. So yeah, a lot of fun things to talk about with this one. No, that's very true. Um, well, I guess we can get started. If you're ready, I'll cue that music. Do it. All right. Hey, Cinema fans, once again, it is time for another brilliant, riveting episode of Cinema Slayers. I am one of your co-hosts, the resident wrestler, yes sir, the flag-waving phenomenon, the personification of motivation, the living proof himself, Jaston Taylor, wrestler extraordinaire, and I am here with... (laughs) <laughs> and I am here with my uh, co-star, the woman of Cinema Slayers, the first lady of Cinema Slayers, Heather. I like that. The first lady of Cinema Slayers. I'm put that in my bio right, like, now. Literally, literally you are. And yes, you are the first lady because you're freaking awesome. So there we go. Boom. I'll um, take it. And unfortunately, our 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 fearless leader... And editor and the person who made this kind of possible, Sterling, will not be joining us for this one tonight, you know, because of work and obligations and really just a lack of interest, I think. (laughs) (laughs) He uh, did not join us for uh, this one. So today we're going to be talking about everything we liked, disliked, and everything in between with the newest movie from Emma Stone and Emma Watson, Crew Ella, based on the character from the original 101 Dalmatians, if you couldn't figure that out by the song earlier. So, with that being said, let's jump right in. So, Heather, give us some spoiler-free thoughts about this movie, Cruella. So, really, my first thing that I'm going to say is pretty much like the last thing that I thought coming out of this movie, which was... This is the, like, origin story that I didn't even know that I wanted. (laughs) Like, it's, (laughs) I think that it's an interesting story. I think that it, um, it really helps you kind of not necessarily hate Cruella as much. Um, but it just, like, they did a really great backstory for this character. And honestly, like, I remember hearing about this um movie coming out and i was just like 
do we need that? Like, do we need that movie? <laughs> do we need a Cruella backstory? <laughs> do we need more about this villain? Is it going to be basically just like a remake of 101 Dalmatians, just more from her perspective? Like, what is this going to be, you know? And then you see the previews and the trailers come out for it. And, um, you know, and of course it's Emma Stone and you and I, you know, you get it. You have that Emma Stone love that I have. So, you know, we understand mm-hmm. that level. <laughs> Sterling does not have that Emma Stone love, and that's okay. We forgive him for that. Um, but yeah, it just, I was like, okay, maybe this will work, you know? But it's just like, I had no idea that this was even a story that needed to be told, but I really enjoyed it. And, and it almost is kind of like, and it isn't really giving anything away, but it's almost like a, has that feel of like a, um, almost the origin story of like uh, Miranda from Devil Wears Prada. <laughs> like it kind of yeah. has like that kind of vibe to it or something. Um, but it's, it's really good. It's a, it's a fashionable, it's a, a stylish and fabulous movie. It's got funny parts. It's charming. It's got a little bit of the, the drama in there. Um, it's really, it's beautifully shot. Um, the characters are portrayed really well um, from what I remember when I was a kid, <laughs> but it it's just a really well put together movie. And it, um, it didn't really feel that long. Like it was a longer one. It was a little over two hours, maybe two fifteen. but it did not really feel that long because it really just, I feel like it told the story. Well, um, I don't really think it had any pacing issues. Um, I just really like what they did with this movie. And of course, Emma Stone was fantastic as Cruella. I did not expect anything less, but just seeing the whole way that she did this character from beginning to end was really, really great. And, um, you know, it's just even more the reason why she should be in everything pretty much. But, you know, it, it was just a really great portrayal of this character, uh, where you feel like, you know, you get those vibes of why she's so villainous, but you also kind of understand her on a little bit more of a deeper level and maybe why she is who she is. And I really like that. I'm all about those, you know, let me understand why you are this way kind of thing. So they did a good job of explaining that and um, just kind of the ups and downs and the rifts and just sort of her struggles, but also her you know, conniving ways with it. It was just a fun, really good movie. Um, I really enjoyed it. Yes, yes. I do share that same love for Emma Stone. I just think that she's um, a very commendable actress. I like her in just about everything that I've seen her in. And she always just seems to rise to the occasion. And she's just kind of one of those actresses where I feel like I can depend on them. Like, oh, if I know that she's on the marquee, then it's going to compel me to want to see that movie because at the very least, I, I want to see what she brought to the character. So yeah, Emma Stone is one of those um, actresses for me. So I, I was probably going to see this regardless of if I felt it, 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 if I felt like it was necessary or not. I mean, Cruella DeVille is not, is not what I would call one of my favorite Disney villains. Um, dare I say, I don't even know if she's one of the more memorable ones. Well, right. no, that's unfair. Well, that's unfair. I think maybe she is memorable. Maybe maybe that's why this is even happening, is because something about that character is memorable. You know, the big flamboyant 
fur coats and she Very used to have this long yeah su- yeah like real arrogant long cigar and these two henchmen that she would run with and there was just something about her that back then when I was a kid, you know, she was evil. And, you know, when you're a kid, you just love animals. You just love dogs. And who wanted to see the 101 Dalmatians killed by Cruella DeVille? Like, who wanted that? Of course you didn't want that. You wanted all 101 of the dogs to survive. So, yeah, she was definitely memorable for that. But I do think that as the years have gone on, and we've gotten so many, like, nuanced and just like crazy memorable Disney villains. I just wonder how many people have her at the top of the list. You know, I just wonder, you know, when you've got a, in a world where you've got people like Scar and Maleficent and I mean, even Hades from Hercules and, you know, you just got all of these amazing villains that have come from Disney over the years. And you just wonder like, how many people re- remember her? Well, this is a movie that that I think um, definitely accomplishes bringing her back into the spotlight and kind of telling a very unique origin story about how this character came to be or why maybe we should value this character more or why this character is so memorable. So yeah, this was definitely an interesting approach. I I, like you, Heather, I thought that maybe this was going to be kind of a 101 Dalmatians, but her perspective kind of thrown in, but I was totally wrong about that. Um, this really is just her story. It it really is about how she was as a child and then growing up and then some of the things that she's gone through and kind of her arc and where she arrives by the end of the story. And it's just like, um, Heather said, like, this is the, this is a well shot movie. The cinematography is good. The the art design, some of the set pieces, like, and just uh, where they are, there's a lot of just great-looking landscapes and background pieces in this movie. The the costumes, man, yeah. the, 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 the costuming and the wardrobe and the art direction, this, this is one of those movies where I would not be surprised at the end of the year when it comes Oscar time and they're handing out those technical awards for art direction and wardrobe and stuff like that, I guarantee you, you will see this movie. It, it, yeah. it will probably make the lineup for art direction, wardrobe, and stuff like that. It's just one of those where you're watching it and you can't help but just be in awe of some of the costumes, some of the dresses, some of the what they were able to do with some of those things visually, visually without spoiling anything and saying anything specific was, was amazing. So this is very easy to look at. It was eye candy. It was very pleasing to the eye. Uh, And like Heather said, it's very watchable. Like I didn't feel, even though I was a little like, Oh really? Do we need two hours and 15 minutes to talk about Cruella DeVille? I mean, really, (laughs) do we need that much time to talk about Cruella DeVille. But th- this is a fun movie. You know, the first half of it is kind of a, you know, origin story slash caper 
kind of movie and you kind of have like this thief group and whatever. And, you know, like there's all these interesting things going on and there are some interesting side characters as well. So whenever you are getting dialogue and the movie kind of slows down and you get in dialogue, it's good dialogue. It was quippy dialogue. It was entertaining dialogue to where I felt like this was very watchable. I was never bored with this. And yeah, Emma Stone really brought it to this role. And so did Emma Thompson, who I might even argue stole this movie as her performance as the Baroness. I I definitely gave me vibes of uh, Miranda and Devil Wears Prada, except imagine Miranda with just almost no redeeming qualities. And that's basically (laughs) what you get uh, with Emma Thompson and the Baroness. But man, Emma Thompson, after seeing her in this, I was like, well, dang, she could have played Miranda in Devil Wears Prada. And that's hard to say because, you know, Meryl Meryl Streep is... (laughs) Yeah, it's Meryl. Like, Meryl Streep is, you know, probably the GOAT when it comes to act actresses, really male or female. She might, you might be able to argue she's the GOAT. Uh, and her performance in The Devil Wears Prada was phenomenal. It's, to me, one of her most memorable performances. But watch Emma Thompson in this and tell me that she couldn't probably play that Miranda character like. I, I think. True. I think she could have after seeing her in this. But yeah, this movie really is the Emma and Emma show. And mm-hmm. I mean, they can just do no wrong here. Like they, everything is great. You can tell that both actresses were having a lot of fun with this. And they really, that energy that they bring to these roles really just carries the movie throughout. So, yeah, I think that this is an enjoyable movie. It was one kind of out of nowhere. I didn't see it coming, much like Heather talked about. But um, this was a a, a surprise, I think. I, I think that this was better than it had any right to be, especially given what the character is and what this did with the character, kind of a retelling of this story and making the character a little more nuanced to today's times, I think they did the thing, man. I I, I was really um, overall uh, impressed with this. Though there are some things that that I do think are problems, which kind of keep it from being just like the perfect movie or like a great movie. I do think that this is a very good movie, though. Like, really... The, the the problems aside, it really, the sum of its parts is good. It's good acting. It's entertaining. It's colorful. It's easy to look at. And the story is not a bad story for this uh, villain character. So all in all, a solid effort um, from them. Well, are we ready for recommendations and scores? Yeah, let's do it. Hit the jingle. Recommendations. And score. Yes, I love we that need jingle. a new soundbite of you saying, "Hit the hit the button" or whatever you just said. <laughs> I know. Hit, hit that the jingle. jingle. Yeah. We need that. <laughs> hit yeah. that jingle. <laughs> we need that. We'll have to get Sterling on that. So he had he had a day off today. So we'll have to give him some work and get him on that. <laughs> but anyway, so Heather, do you recommend this one or not? Yeah, I definitely do recommend it. Um, And honestly, kind of like what we were saying, too, 
I haven't seen the 101 Dalmatians movies in years since I was a kid. And actually, I think I only saw the cartoon. I don't even think I saw the <laughs> live action remakes. But you do not need that to enjoy this movie. You don't really need that to know what's going on here. Um, True. And yeah, and, and I think that there's something to be said for that. And just in general, like, I, I honestly, I'm with you with Emma Stone and Emma Thompson. Like, they really brought very captivating performances to the characters that they were and they really carried this. And I, I think if it were lesser quality acting, it would not have been pulled off as well as a, as a whole movie because they really do carry that. And, and not to forget to the side characters. Um, they're just as great. Jasper and Horace, they were fantastic. They were so great. Um, you know, and it, it, just everybody who was cast in this was very well casted and really brought something, something different, something special. And I think that the whole dynamic of the characters, for the most part, was really good, at least with, um, you know, with Cruella and her her henchmen, <laughs> who are really just her friends in this. But, you know, it's... Um, it's it's really it's fun it's um it's a unique kind of take on a classic disney villain it's a it's a well told story and it's enjoyable i mean really people of any age can really enjoy this movie and um you know i think that's a really great thing so i definitely recommend it i will probably give this i'm going to give this 80 hand sewn and hand stitched dresses that make the the window display more fabulous out of a hundred. Yeah, that was tight. That window display, right? That was that was that was that was great looking. Um, no wonder the Baroness was impressed with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, but yeah. Um, I, I'm going to recommend this too. I, I really like you said. Um, all that extra background research I did, <laughs> thinking that I needed that to go into this movie, I did not need to do any of that. Really, this really is kind of a reimagining, in a lot of ways, of that of that hundred and one Dalmatian story. So, sure, it helps to have some familiarity with the with the original story in that maybe you'll recognize certain things you know there'll be certain visuals that you might appreciate but really none of that is really necessary for this story and really when you factor in kind of the way that this story ends it it it, it ends in a way to where it would i i mean it, it sets up something completely different from really what you get in the original movie, um, the original animated 101 Dalmatians movie. So that's why I kind of lean towards, this is more of like a origin story, but it's also kind of a reimagining of this character. So it's not really a companion piece with the 101 Dalmatians, you know, um, and maybe that's a problem, but maybe it isn't. Maybe this was the the better way to go. So I think that if you're somebody who kind of vaguely remembers 101 Dalmatians, you kind of remember Cruella DeVille. Maybe you remember that song, that little excerpt I sang or whatever. And maybe that's all the extent of what you know about Cruella DeVille is that song. Well, 
you'll be pleasantly surprised with this. There's a lot to enjoy here from the acting, the the visuals, and everything that we talked about. So I think that alone is a fun movie. Um, and and I and even though it does have some dark themes and stuff like that. Uh, it's never dark enough to where other people can enjoy it. When I was in the movie theater and I did get a chance to go to the theater and watch this, um, there were families in there, there were kids in there, and they were laughing at some of the jokes and they were having a good time watching this as well. So it seems like it's very fitting for what Disney is looking for. They they want those family movies and they want... uh, parents and kids and adults and children alike to enjoy the movie. And it felt like just from what I was hearing in the theater, they accomplished that. Um, and even when I look at something like Rotten Tomatoes, uh, the, the, the fan reception for this is extremely high. I, I want to say the fan uh, percentage is 97%. That's, that's three points. Yeah. Perfect. So that means that almost everybody that watched this liked it. <laughs> that was just a fan. So they've got to be doing something right. And that might mean if this is as successful as um, as they think it will be, that we may see more of these. You know, we may get more of these kind of villain kind of takes of uh, these Disney stories. And maybe that's uh, the new way to go. Maybe that's a good direction to go to try to tell these stories from a different perspective rather than kind of giving us the same movie, kind of like what they did with Milan and beauty and the beast and some of those, maybe this is the way to go. You know, you, you take a character, you give it a, you give the movie a different perspective and you put your own artistic spin on it and see where it goes. And people are enjoying this. So maybe Disney has found yet another formula in the millions of formulas that they have <laughs> that works. So uh, only time will tell, but, but this was a fun movie. I do uh, re- recommend this. Um, m- my score is just slightly lower than Heather's, but it's in a similar place. I'm going to go with 77 uh, dresses that can be burned away to reveal uh, uh, even much hotter dress underneath out of a hundred. Yeah, that was pretty cool. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, I believe it is that time for spoilers. Yes. Spoilers. There's that jingle. All <laughs> right. Um, I also forgot to mention that I think that the soundtrack and the music they did in this was really good. I feel like they used oh, music. Yeah. It, it felt like they used music from different areas or eras or different genres for it, which worked really well with what was happening in the moment. But I just, I meant to say that earlier and I forgot to. Yeah, that that's definitely something that needs to be said is that the soundtrack was great. And since the, 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 um, the time period was 1970s London. So they pulled from a lot of classic movie, uh, music movies, a lot of classic music from the seventies. And there's a lot of familiar bands. And I mean, I heard, uh, these boots are made for walking mm-hmm. and that's just what they'll do. You know, it's got a lot of those um, hits that you, you've you heard in a lot of movies, but they're very, but they're done in a very stylish way. They're very integral to what's happening with the film. And it all really does help to tell 
the story of this film. So yeah, that is another thing that this has going for it is the the music soundtrack. So yeah, very good point. Very good point. Um, I thought it was pretty crazy how uh Dalmatians killed her mother, basically. <laughs> yeah, I was actually gonna say, like, because I don't remember from the story younger me <laughs> I, was that part of it or did they even explain in the movie why she hates dalmatians <laughs> it definitely wasn't this no they didn't so yeah because in the original movie all it is is that um the wife that they were they were classmates former classmates so that's how cruella knows who Anita is. And Anita in this is the black girl. Um, oh my gosh, who played her? Um, Kirby Howell Baptiste, who plays Anita Darling. That is actually the, um, the, the white female character in the original 101 oh, Dalmatians. Okay. So they kind of, yeah, so they kind of did like a, a little flippy thing there, but you know how they were classmates and then they grew up and everything like that. And she was the reporter and whatnot in this story. So in the original 101 Dalmatians, that's why Cruella's coming to the house. She finds out that, um, that the two dogs have these 101 Dalmatians and she gets this big idea. Oh, I'm going to buy up a bunch of those Dalmatians and I'm going to make a Dalmatian fur coat. Yeah, that's right. yeah. So in the cartoon, basically, long story short, she comes to the house trying to um, buy these puppies off of them, but they find out what Cruella's trying to do. So they're like, no, the puppies aren't for sale, but she's a scallywag and a scumbag. So she's going to steal the puppies instead. And that doesn't go too well. And of right. course, they defeat her and they get away and whatnot. But Long story short, that's the cartoon. So, yeah, in this, I was like, oh, you know, like whenever um, the Baroness um, blows the the dog whistle and then you find out that that's how she was controlling these Dalmatians yeah. and then the Dalmatians kind of attack the mom and uh, kill her or whatever. I was like, okay, so maybe that's why she doesn't like Dalmatians. You know, they're they're kind of setting this up for her to have this Dalmatian hate towards the end. But interestingly enough, she didn't blame the dogs. You know, she blamed yeah. the, the right person. So, uh, so, so, you know, even though that's how it started, I thought it was interesting that that's not the direction they went. They went a more mature route with that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because I think once she realized like why the dogs were being, you know, so angry and whatever, like it helped her to understand like, Oh, you know? So yeah, no, I get that. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but, but yeah, this was just like to just kind of talk about some of the, that was just one detail that kind of stood out to me. And then later on, there's a joke made where she does, uh, take, the the Baroness's Dalmatians. And there was a joke there where one person was like, are you going to turn them into a fur coat? And she's like, ha ha, I'm not going to do that. And it was kind of a joke. Well, yeah, that, that was, was great. them. Yeah. Paying homage to the, to the original movie. So there were little, like little Easter egg tidbits in there like that. But no, this is very much uh, really at its heart, a story about 
uh, a young girl who had a dream and went through tragedies in her life and sort of kind of overcame those things to kind of accomplish her dream and really um, recognize and realize her true talent and what she truly is and just a story about her becoming who she really was. That really is the heart and crux of this story, like really when you look at it. Yeah, I agree. And the the interesting thing is like one part for me that really, that I really liked was kind of when, um, and I guess, yeah, like, so when Cruella discovers that her mom is not really her mom and it's the Baroness this whole time, just her sort of that going to that fountain and having that like conversation with her mom um, just kind of talking to her mom. I loved that scene because it was just kind of, if I feel like it really explained a lot of internally, what was she going through? Right. Like what, what was she feeling? How was she feeling? Like, you know, this is why you always wanted me to push down any of this or that. And like, you, you just kind of really get an understanding of Cruella and just her internal feelings about things. But I think it was just like, man, Emma Stone can deliver a line. Like, I just feel like her her choice and how she's delivering these lines that she does in some of these speeches, I love it. And I don't know why it sticks out to me. Like, even the part when she's saying, you know, you know, she's telling her mom, like, you know, but I still love you. I always will. Like, just the way she says it in this very, like, I don't want to make it a big deal, but it kind of is this type of way that she says stuff sometimes. And I really, I think she made very good and thoughtful choices in how she decided to deliver very specific lines. Um, And I've always kind of liked that about Emma's acting in general, but that, and then just even that, that laugh, the, the Cruella laugh, it was perfect. How she did it was so perfect, but it also wasn't over the top. You know, it wasn't like she was doing it every single time to where you get tired of it. Um, she she was very specific in how she placed that laugh into certain parts of the film. So I appreciated that they didn't overdo it, but they paid, you know, a big homage to, oh, that's, that's her thing, that laugh. You know that laugh. So I thought that was uh, a really cool thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a good point about Emma. She just has a very, like, I don't know, maybe the word is relatability. Like, she's got a relatable quality where even when she's acting, you just feel, she just gets you to feel something for her. She just gets you to understand where the character is emotionally. And like you said, all of those scenes where she's reflecting and talking to her mother are good. But yeah, that one was pivotal when she sort of realized that, oh, the Baroness is my real mother. And that's where that attitude comes from. That spunk comes from. That's kind of where that Cruella persona comes from. That was always a part of me. It was always in me because this is where I come from. But she understood that the Baroness is a horrible person, that that is not, (laughs) you know, that, that the Baroness is not a good person. And 
And, and through her own experiences with her, she got to witness that firsthand. And she knows that the Baroness was not a real mother to her. And then she started to understand why her mother tried to get her to lead this other life, tried to kind of tell her, you know, you got to put your head in the dirt and just kind of, you don't want to be so outlandish. You got to, you know, that's why she was hiding or, or wanted her to kind of bury some of those aspects because she didn't want her to become a woman like the Baroness. And she understood it then. So I like that. That was a great, like, revelation for that character because it's that realization, oh, you know, my, um, even though she wasn't my biological mother, she wasn't trying to suppress these things out of me because she thought, because she was trying to make me something that I wasn't or that she was trying to, uh, you know, she was trying to go against what I really felt on the inside. She was doing this because she was trying to protect me. She didn't want yeah. me to become like my biological mother. So I really like that. That's some very complex stuff going on there. But like you said, Emma was able to deliver it and acted in such a way that you perfectly understood all of that without it having to be this big, drawn-out explanation. So, yeah, yeah that was um, totally. an excellent scene executed by her. So, yeah. Yeah, um, that's... Um, and then also, just really quick, too, I wanted to just say Mark Strong, who plays John the Valet, he he was so good and you know he's he's usually that very yeah. dominant character in things and he was kind of a you know he was supposed to be a more reserved person and reserved character in this and he did such a good job in his role here um and i just i love mark strong i think he's so great but you know i just i appreciated like his almost fatherly type of um role or at least caretaker sort of role that he's kind of played behind the scenes here. And then you don't really understand why until more at the end. And then you realize why he doesn't want to get um, Estella in trouble or why he doesn't want to turn her in or all these things. Like you realize why. And um, yeah. So I, I just thought that was a good reveal in how they did it. Um, and then, yeah, that's, I'll, I'll let you go. I'll say more later, though. <laughs> no, that that's a very good point. And that whole reveal was wasn't anything that, um, it, it wasn't anything that I really saw coming. You know, I I, I just didn't think that that was the route they were going to go. Um, I thought that the most that we would get was, oh, she was. I, I figured that, and the reason why is because when you get the reveal that oh, it was the Baroness who called, who who blew the dog whistle that killed her mom. So, yep. okay, we know that. I thought that that was as far as we were going to go with that. And then to find out, nope, there's this other thing you didn't know. This is yeah. actually her biological mother. So they kind of caught me with that because they set you up with the one, yep, you're, this is, you know, the Baroness is the killer. They They set you up with that and you're just focused on that. Just like the character is just like Cruella is. And then they hit you with that and you're like, oh, okay. Okay. I see. I see. Yep. I see what you did there. Like that a double twist. Switch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. 
That was a twist. Yeah, a double twist. Like it was a twist under a twist. Right. So yeah, that was um th- that was well executed. And then just the revelations that it gave Cruella afterwards, I think made it better because you know, like you've seen uh, other movies like that where it's like, oh, this character finds out that their father's actually, you know, I mean. Right. Star Wars, you know, Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker. So it's not like we haven't seen that before, but everything is about execution. You know, it'd be one thing if it was like, Cruella, I am your mother. And then it just <laughs> really didn't lead anywhere. But they did enough with what that meant to the character, what the character realized. And like you said, back to that scene where she's talking to her other mother that had died, that scene helped even bring that together even more because not only did we learn who Cruella's biological mother was, but we also got to learn a little bit more about her, her, um, her foster mother's actual intentions. So it was the learning of all of that, that even though that is a trope, that trope was done well in this movie because of everything surrounding it. So I think that's important to say, you know. No, that is, yeah, 100% true. And just the way that Emma Thompson plays that is so, man, she was, yeah. And and it's interesting because ever since you said that at the beginning of this about how she totally could have played Miranda in Devil Wears Prada, I'm like, man, that is so true. Like, I almost just want to see how she would have done it, um, you know. But, yeah, she she was just so good and just something very um, just captivating about how she did this evil, terrible character. And, you know, thinking about it, she's the actual villain of this, you know. Cruella is not a villain in this situation. And I think yeah. that that's really interesting. And part of it is... I, I like that because I, I'm all for, you know, humanizing the people that are always seen as the villains if it's warranted, you know. And I didn't know this would be warranted because it's Cruella and I was just like, I don't need a story about her. But you you see this and you're just like, I don't hate her as much anymore. But I think that that kind of, it, it's kind of like what you said. It's like a reimagining and it's 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 reinventing Cruella DeVille in general. And it just kind of, and, and I don't, I I like it, but I'm a little conflicted because I also am kind of like, I feel like this movie kind of completely takes away all of her villainousness. (laughs) Um, it, It just like nothing about this is like, she's not a villain. You know what I mean? And I, I just, I don't know. Because I also feel like even when she had that switch from realizing what happened and realizing um, the Baroness is responsible for her mother's death and realizing that the Baroness tried to kill her own daughter and all these things, you know, I feel like because of it's Cruella, you expect this huge switch of real evil vengeance and that they definitely did some of that and you do see her kind of change who she is especially with her with her friends Horace and Jasper but mm-hmm. it was more of a vengeance of 
let me just be better than her. Let me just prove that I am better than her and that she's nothing kind of thing. It wasn't like this villainous thing that you expected Cruella to be. I expected her to be turning into Cruella (laughs) when she finds all this stuff out. And Cruella is really just her persona of like, I'm a confident person and I have this focused mind. I have a mission and I'm going to accomplish it. I feel like that's more what Cruella was more than, no, I want to destroy her. And in the fact that she, you know, she didn't actually really want to kill anybody. You know, she would joke about it and all this stuff and be like, okay, well, if I don't have to, I won't. But I mean, it just, you could tell she didn't actually want to do that. You know, she wasn't a murderer. She wasn't out to kill somebody who killed her mom. You know, it just, there, the reveal of, of Cruella fully realizing herself as Cruella, it, it wasn't, it, it was a little bit anticlimactic, I guess. Um, and, and that's not necessarily a bad thing because, like I said, this movie made me like Cruella as a character, but it's so far off base from what the original is that I'm just like, huh, like you just, you know, you, you feel like people are going to see this and be like, oh, I want to see like what makes Cruella turn into Cruella. And it, that's not, you don't see that huge transition here, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? No, that's a great point. And that was actually something that I was going to touch on as a problem, or at least I was going to propose the question, is it a problem? Like, b- because you're right. Like, if you were somebody who was a fan of the 101 Dalmatians and you know Cruella to be this evil, arrogant, conniving woman who wants to g- kill animals and turn them into coats, and then you get to this, you're, and by the time you get out of this, you're going to be like, huh? This is nothing like the Cruella DeVille that I know in the animated movies and stuff like that. And that's kind of what I was going to ask. Is that a problem? Like, are we kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? Are, Are we kind of skating by on these villain movies with and not really are we too afraid or i guess is hollywood too afraid with these villain centric movies to really just make these villains villains by the end of these movies mm-hmm. you know this was something that i think that i think is kind of becoming a trend like we talked about this a little in joker like why didn't the film at the end, definitively say that Joker is the bad guy, that he is not the one to root for. It sort of ends kind of in this way where you can interpret it all these different ways. Is he the villain? Is he not? Is he a hero? You know, there are all these kind of interpretations that we kind of talked about at the end of Joker, at the end of that movie. Uh, The Maleficent movies. Now, I saw the first Maleficent, and I didn't see the second one. So who knows? Maybe um, I'm speaking out of term because I didn't see that one. But by the end of the first Maleficent movie, which is more relatable to this because this is another Disney villain centric story. But by the end of that, I didn't really feel like she was 
this villainous witch. She had good intentions and stuff went wrong and she was kind of labeled as that, but that wasn't really what she was by the end of that movie. So again, you know, it's another thing of, well, we're not going to commit to this villain thing. And then you get to the end of this and it's kind of the same thing. Like as a matter of fact, at the end of the movie, we're now saying that Cruella is responsible for 101 Dalmatians. Like, she <laughs> yeah. de- she delivers Pongo and Perdita to their respective owners, and those are the ones, and those are the two dogs who wind up ha- having the 101 Dalmatians. So now, we're not only saying that Cruella is <laughs> is not really the villain or not the villain that she is in the animated cartoon, but now we are saying that she is the reason why the 101 Dalmatians exist. You know, mm. we kind of made her the reason for everything. And yeah, so that's kind of why I lean towards the word reimagining. Yeah. Because you can't, because you can't look at this as a companion piece with the original cartoon. It's not yeah. because if you watch this, and then you watch the 101 Dalmatians cartoon, you probably be confused. Like, like if you had never seen the original cartoon before and somebody was like, uh, and you and, and you saw this movie, you really liked it, you were really feeling the Cruella movie, and you're like, you know what? Let me backtrack. Let me go and watch the 101 Dalmatians movie and see what inspired this character. And I think if you watch that, you'll be confused. You'll be like, huh? This is nothing like what I watched uh, in this movie. And I guess that kind of raises the question, is that a good or bad thing? Like, is it bad that they decided to kind of take this character and kind of do, you know, kind of reimagine her and do their own artistic span? Because the result is we got a good movie that was fresh. It had a different yeah. perspective and they were able to kind of bring their own artistic flair to this because they weren't so beholden to this idea, well, she's got to become the dog killer at the end. So in a way, it helped this movie be fresh. But like we said, there's still this other part of me that's like, but you're not being true to what the original character was. So yeah, I'm totally conflicted like you. Yeah, and and this is this is where my conflicting feelings are because if you do look at this as just a standalone movie and not a companion piece, it is completely great on its own. It doesn't matter yes. that she didn't have this villainous turn. But if you are comparing it with that and having it as a companion piece or like a prequel or whatever to the originals or the remakes or whatever, then it it's it kind of falls a little short. You know what I mean? And so maybe they didn't mean it to be a companion piece because, like you said, I feel like they kind of reinvented who this character is. Um, but yes, that that is the conflicting thing of it because if I'm looking at it as just a standalone movie, which is kind of what I did just solely for the fact that it had been so long since I saw 101 Dalmatians, that might be why I liked it as much as I did. Because I wasn't really, it's almost like just in the back of my mind, I know that this is like a terrible villainous person and that it's going to turn into this 
thing later, you know, and even at the end when she's like, oh, there's much to do and, you know, we're just getting started. I don't, what does that mean? <laughs> like, does that, is that mean like she's going to become more villainous if they do a sequel? Does that mean we just have more to do as far as making me a more famous fashion designer? Like, what does it mean? And they didn't really clarify <laughs> what that meant. You know what I mean? Um, because it's not like yeah. they have to go around stealing and, and doing all of that anymore because she's super rich now. So they weren't super clear on what it meant. Like we have much more to do or like, we're just getting started, started on what? And I feel like that's why at the end it didn't have a super clear, like, what is the purpose of who you are now? Like what, what is this getting started with what, you know? And they kind of left it on a huge cliffhanger with that. So that's a little bit of my confliction with it. But when we talk about, too, like kind of shying away on these villains being villains thing, I think for this movie, for the most part, I think it works just for the fact of it it almost plays out like I can want vengeance and I can want revenge, but I can do it in a way where I'm just building confidence in myself and proving that I don't need to be like you, you know, like maybe that was her form of revenge. You know what I mean? And so I feel like there is something to be said for maybe that sort of more positive take on how do you get revenge on somebody and how do you have vengeance towards somebody? And I kind of like that because it's like, it's almost like she's become this powerful, confident woman when she took on this Cruella persona and it made her just a more confident person and just like thinking more for herself and really looking out for herself and becoming more independent. And I think that that is great. And, you know, instead of planning, like, I'm going to kill her, I'm going to, like, you know, she said, I want to destroy her and take away everything. But did she do it in a way that was, it's almost like, you're not really a villain because you feel like it's warranted. Like you want everybody to know what she's done and that she's a fraud. Like, you know what I mean? So it's almost like if they're trying to make this take on it, be like, yeah, be mad and want to get even, but here's a, a better way to do it. A more morally sound way to do it. (laughs) So I kind of liked it for how they did it in this movie. But at the same time, if you're just like, but that's not, that's not the Cruella way, (laughs) you know? So it's almost like you have to choose what version of Cruella are you going to be attaching to or associating with, because that will change a lot of how you feel about the outcome of this movie. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, so it really is kind of this very conflicting thing, but, but, but I think, um, one point that you hit on that I do agree with is, is that if you just look at this as a standalone movie, it works. Like when you think about it just as a movie and the character journey, where this person starts, what she becomes and who she is. And and it works. It does work as a movie. There's too much right with the movie to say that the movie doesn't work. It does work. Like, I don't think that there's really any denying that it definitely works as its own movie and um to kind of a point that you alluded to you do see inklings of cruella like at least it planted a few seeds with the way that she was treating um jasper and horace 
midway through the movie and how she was kind of running them into the ground and not really caring about their feelings and like, I have to be this way. I have to be this mean, vindictive person. And like you said, the character does grow and realize, no, I got to be better than her. I've got to do this my own way and everything like that. And I can do it in a way that's not like her. I don't have to be the Baroness to do this. I can do this my own way. And that is sort of where where the character's resolve is. But they did give you flashes of the vindictive, selfish, I'm only about myself and what I want, Cruella DeVille. They did give you flashes. So I guess if I'm playing devil's advocate, one person and, and arguing for the film one person could argue, well, I guess this is just an origin story. This yeah. just planted a few seeds, but we know that she has the potential to go to that place. We saw her go right. to that place. We saw her think about killing this woman. We saw her treat her friends like trash and different things like that. So that is in her. That is still very much in her. And even though at the end of this, she decided to kind of do things the right way and everything like that still doesn't mean that more life happens. And who's to say, maybe by the time you do Cruella to the, 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 uh, the first 50 Dalmatians or whatever the case may be, <laughs> whatever you decide to do with the sequel, maybe there is more to the story where she does become full Cruella. Maybe all right. we saw was the beginning of it. And if a person were to argue that, you probably could argue that, you know, you probably could argue at least they planted some seeds. And even though you didn't fully get it at the end, you got inklings of it, which means that there's still potential for her to go to that place, you know? Yeah, which I feel like, though, and I get that and I would want to see that. But at the same time, I'm like. If this is not, if the Baroness is not the person that's going to make you full Cruella, like, what else is really going to make you that? <laughs> you know what True. I mean? <laughs> True. But yeah. it would be interesting to see, like, if that is what they're doing, like, what else happens in her life that that is what she becomes, you know? So it would be an interesting second movie if they ever do one. Um yeah, but like what exactly would make her flip that switch? And you're right. Like right. if the if the Baroness couldn't do that with the motherly connection and all of that stuff, how in the world are you gonna? You know, does the Baroness escape and try to make her life a living hell? I don't know. Like, what do you do? Right. Like, where do you go from here with this character? And and that's another thing too. Like. In the original cartoon, there was so much we didn't know about the character. There's so much to fill in that it's just so uncertain. Like, all we knew in that cartoon, that cartoon was just so simple. It was 1963, y'all. So that cartoon (laughs) was super simple. She was just a mean woman that wanted a fur coat. That that was it. That that was all (laughs) that movie was. That was... Yeah, there was nothing else at all to that character. So, I mean, if I'm doing an honest comparison, I like the nuanced Cruella I yeah. got in this movie. I do, you too. Know? Yeah. You know That's what why I mean? I'm leaning like, towards this, like this version of exactly. Fred Light. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like, I can't, I have to. So it's like, I know we're cinema slayers. We got to pick stuff apart. And yes, there is the Disney purist in me that's like, well, that's not really the character. But the critic in me is like, but this is a way better character. (laughs) <laughs> she's more fleshed out. Her journey was more fun. I got to know a little bit more about her. I like this. Yeah. So, yeah. So maybe, th- and maybe it, that's okay too, you know? And that's kind of why I had to propose the question, is it wrong or not? Maybe that's in the eye of the beholder, but perhaps there is a world where just both of these things can exist. Yes, you have the the cartoon Cruella, but... In 2021, they made this fun movie uh, based on that character, and Emma Stone and, and and you know and Emma Watson were in it, and it was awesome, and it was fun, and I really enjoyed it. And maybe that's it. Maybe that's enough. Maybe that's all <laughs> right. that there needs to be. Appreciate both for what they are, but understand they are indeed two different things. You know. Yeah, you just have to have that understanding, knowing that. And another thing that I really did enjoy about this is um, just how very fashion forward the movie was. I always love movies where it's just very fashionable and stylish like that. But I guess it kind of felt like, you know, this is supposed to take place in what, the 70s? And I just kind of like feel like Mm -hmm. this feels more like a modern day movie. And maybe that was what they wanted to do with it. But I didn't get it didn't take me to that 80s time frame with this movie. Like the world itself that they created was great, but it didn't give me that 80s, or I'm sorry, that 70s vibe. You know, it really just kind of felt like it was a modern day, like taking place today type of movie. Um, so, and and I, I don't, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I think, yeah, because they did so much of like the, futuristic fashion and things like that with it. It just felt like it could have been a modern day movie, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That That's a good point. Yeah. You don't really get uh, other than like the soundtrack and then just um, some of the things that the characters would say and things like that. Yeah. It did feel very uh, modern, modern ish, you know, and like and yeah. some of those outfits, I mean, Man, some of these dresses and some of those outfits were extravagant. Like, man, and and that was really one of the visual joys about this. I was kind of like the townspeople. I was like, man, what is Cruella going to wear next? Like, I I know. Yeah, I was like, what is the next one going to be? And like that one where the, the, the garbage dumpster pulls up. And she rolls out in what appears to be garbage. Then she's in this dress and the dress looks just amazing. And then you realize that all that garbage that hit the ground was part of the dress. And so as the dumpsters driving away, you see that all of that is connected to that dress. That looked amazing to me. I was like, wow, like what? Um, what an amazing, amazing dress. Or like you talked about the window display when she had, mm-hmm. when she made the drunken window display out of the newspapers and everything. And the newspapers kind of look like the the like, I don't know what you call that in a dress, but like it looked like that under like part that 
yeah, like the fluffy, yeah, tool part of a dress. Yeah. But it was all comprised of newspaper. That mm-hmm. was really neat. That was really neat. I so, liked, and kind of like what you talked about, the dress where, like, it burns away into another dress. <laughs> that was super cool. But I'm not going to lie, that original one, like, she had that, like, white hooded thing on. That was cool. That looked really cool. Oh, yeah. 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 And uh, and Emma Stone was rocking every single one. I mean, she was yeah. looking. Yeah, she was looking um, amazing in all those dresses. And Emma Thompson was, too. Every time the Baroness would, you know, they would show a, a compilation sketch or there'd be all these people who sketch out these dresses. And then every now and then, Emma would come out and she would have one on. And, man, every time you saw a dress in a drawing, the actual dress you saw looked better than the drawings. Right. Like, like every time I saw a dress, I was like, oh, well, dang, they came out pretty good. Like, I was yep. just, like, I mean, like like I said, the, the people who were in charge of the costume designs and the wardrobe designers need all the kudos in the world because, man, yeah. that they just did an excellent job. Like there, there hardly wasn't a garment that I didn't like. And just even the other characters, like, you know, Jasper and Horace, they always looked good whenever they would disguise themselves or whenever, um, Horace had on the getup and was looking like Cruella with the, with the black and white hair and how he was all like dressed up like one of the, uh, Cruella members of the party that was hilarious too and you know they looked good too and all their costumes and everything so yeah just yeah everything visually it was just so good to look at that it was just I don't know how you get bored with this it was just too much of a feast visually to get bored with it you know and since you mentioned that scene I really liked that scene too where they had all the people coming that were dressed like Cruella with the the hair and everything I thought that was a really cool scene that they did when it's all of the Cruellas in one room that was really cool yeah um yeah and they they really like that they did such a good job of like the iconic, you know, the black and white hair, but they made it such a like fashionable thing in this. And that's so cool that they did that. And, um, you know, I think that she really, she pulled it off so well, like just the way that, you know, her, she always looked so stylish. She always looked so good. Um, and then also too, like when she had her, her red hair, I always like Emma Stone with some red hair, but this color red was freaking awesome. Like, I loved the red hair on her. I thought it was a great color for her. So just yeah, really was, everything they did. Yeah. Yeah, it was more of like a darker tone red, wasn't it? Yeah, it was like, like a it maroon was, almost. It was really yeah, cool. Like a, yeah, maroonish. Yeah. And then you also mentioned, you know, Horace and Jasper. Um they, I just, I can't really say enough about what great supporting characters they were. Um, they just, their dynamic together was great. They were the right amount of the funny and the wise, you know, um, Joel Fry, I've never seen him in anything before. He played, uh, Jasper. Um, he was so great. And like, I loved his, his whole connection and dynamic with, um, Estella, I thought that that was so great and it was really cute, you know, just kind of see them and, 
you know, you could tell he kind of maybe has some feelings for her, you know, but they don't really say it. Maybe it's just his good friend. But either way, you could tell, like, he really cares so much about her, you know. Um, And I thought that that was really a good dynamic that they had. But um, Paul Walter Hauser, who played Horace, that is my man right there. Like, he, I don't think there's anything he cannot (laughs) play. Like, he was Richard Jewell. Um, he was in I, Tanya. He is just, man, he is so diverse and he's so good. Yeah. And even like his, his accent that he does in this and Emma Stone's accent too. Like I, I hear people or like you see interviews all the time where people that are, that do have those accents say that Emma Stone is so good at doing the accent. Um, but I also think that uh, Paul Walter Hauser did a great job with his accent with this, you know, like you just, it's man, he is so, he's so phenomenal. Like he is just, I think he's such an underrated actor in general, but seeing him in this, I've never really seen him. I mean, he's played really like goofy and ridiculous people before, but like just a straight up kind of like funny person or funny character. I hadn't really ever seen that before with him and he did such a good job at that. So I I just think he's a really really underrated actor. Yeah, and they both were a uh, a pleasant surprise. Jasper and Horace, I just didn't that was kind of a part of the movie that I didn't know that I would enjoy as much as I did. And yeah, what sort of right. started as maybe a friendship out of necessity, you know, they just were like, well, if she's a thief with us, she would make a great thief, you know, being a female and she'd be a great distraction, this, that, and the other. But then that really developed into a real friendship between them. And you could see that in the adult actors. like, And that's a testament to their acting ability. You could tell that they all cared for each other. Like you said, you could see that Jasper had real concern for her. He could see her changing and... Like, and it being for the worse. And he blamed himself for that. You know, he sort of got her into that world because he knew that was her dream. He knew that that was something she always wanted. And he knew how talented she was making those costumes just to help them be better thieves. And he was like, you know what? She deserves a chance to do what she really wanted to do, what she'd been saying she wanted to do as a kid. And he made that happen. And then whenever he saw her changing and kind of be embracing this Cruella persona, he had to look at himself and go, man, I'm to blame for this. Like, you know, I, yeah. I, I'm some of the reason why this is happening. You know, maybe it, it some of this is my fault. And so I guess in a way they felt, you, you know, So in a way, I feel like they also felt, you know, we have to be along for this journey and everything because we're part of the reason why this is happening, too. You know, so I think that there was some concern, but there was a sense of responsibility that he kind of had. And then, like you said, and maybe there were some feelings for um, her when it comes to Jasper beyond just them being friends and maybe he didn't go all the way with that, or maybe he didn't really um, admit that, but you did feel that there was definitely more there rather than just their, um, their friendship because of their history. So all of that 
really show through um, with the characters. And yeah, like you said about um, Horace or Paul Walter Hauser. Yeah, I agree. After seeing him in Richard Jewell and then seeing him in this, this is a completely different role, a completely different character. And man, he was so funny and genuine and just all of his scenes were, and even when he would just have a few lines, like, I thought it was so funny when he kept asking, what's the angle? And they were like, there is no angle. Like, what's the, no, what's the angle here? So what's the plan here? There is no plan. Then finally they get to where there is a plan and they they are scheming. And he goes, see the angle. There it is. There's the angle. And (laughs) I was like, ah, he was right the whole time. So yeah, he was great, man. He had so many good scenes, his interactions with the Dalmatian dogs and Mm -hmm. just everything. His own dog. Yeah. Yeah. Wink. Yeah. His own dog and everything. Like, Whenever he sp- he quote unquote sprayed him, and he was supposed to be like they addressed Wink as the rat, and he was supposed to be a like an orchid man or whatever going yeah. in there, a pest control guy. And then whenever he sprayed him, and then the dog played dead, and he put him in the pouch, and then the dog started moving around, and he was like, "You're supposed to be dead, you know, yeah. like <laughs> just." Just and, and it's just little lines like that, but it's just the way they were delivered and the and his and, and just the charisma that he has that Paul has. He really just made the most of every single one of those scenes, even when he just had a line or two of dialogue. So yeah, he was good. Yeah, he was. No, I I just think they and um and Jasper, man, I just I want to see him in more stuff now. Like he was so good in in this role as like the you know kind of down to earth normal like <laughs> yoda of the group if you will um i just think he was so good and i'm trying to see if i've seen him in anything else um it does look like he is i think it's it oh yeah he is in a, a few episodes of game of thrones actually um oh his star Zolorak, and I don't know who that is. I don't remember who that is in the in the show, but he was in Game of Thrones for like eight episodes. It's because I was like, he looks a little familiar, so maybe that's what I'm thinking of him from. But um hmm. yeah, I'm gonna go back and see if I can find out which character that was. <laughs> but either way, I just I think he he was so good. Like his his performance and even just like his facial expressions and just kind of seeing him, you know, you could tell how, how saddened he would be by just the change of Estella and just all of these things where you, you just kind of, you feel the emotion on his face. And I, I just think he really portrayed that really well, but yeah, it's, they, they, they were such a great addition to this movie, and I think that it would not have been quite as fun of a movie, you know, if they weren't a part of it. Even, like, in, when you talk about, like, funny parts, too, kind of at the end when, you know, is kind of doing, like, a funeral for herself, and, and Horace is, like, crying. <laughs> and Jasper's yeah. like, you know, she's not, like, actually dead, right? Like, it was just such a funny... Like they, they were so casual and like natural about their jokes with it. And, um, it just, it, it, it paid off. It, it was, it pulled, they pulled it off well. And, um, and that's what you want in a movie like this. 
It wasn't like, this is the most hysterically funny movie I've ever seen, but you don't feel like the jokes didn't land. You know, you feel like it it wasn't cheesy really in in that way, as far as how the jokes were done. So it it was, they pulled it off well. Yeah. And it's not even like these jokes were super clever or anything like that. It wasn't like that deep comedy or anything like that. It was just really the comedy that comes with acting, just timing delivery and just being in the moment and saying and delivering a line in such a way that it gets a laugh. And yeah, the theater that I was in, people were laughing at them constantly at what was being said the quips back and forth with each other. I mean, there was a lot of laughing going on in the theater and a lot of it was just because of how well these actors were delivering lines and just saying everything with the right tone and comedic timing. And that's really what, what the crux of this movie is and what I think the, the, why the comedy landed so much because the actors just would nail those lines. Yep. Well, is there anything more to say about this movie? I think we touched on everything. We talked about like the whole villain thing, some of the things we didn't like. We got all the stuff in there. Yeah. Emma and Emma. I, I feel like we characters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we covered um a good amount of it. Like it yeah. It, it's just um it, it, honestly, though, it's funny because it makes me want to go and watch not 101 Dalmatians, but Devil Wears Prada. <laughs> um, I know, right. You I know, don't mind revisiting that again. It's yeah. got those vibes about it. I don't know why, but it does. Um, and also, I thought that was a cool way that she got her name, the Cruella DeVille, and they kind of explain where that name came from. And even, again, to Horace, when he's like, it's spelled like devil, but it said Deville. Like it just, he's so, he was so good with his lines with that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because that, that was the reason why her name, and that's fun. And that's a great homage to like the old cartoon, because that's exactly like when you first see her name, you're like Cruella devil. That that's exactly what I think I said when I saw it spelled out. But yeah, it's, and so him literally saying that is that, that that that's why the characters named that. So yeah, that was all uh, good stuff. And see, and see, I said that not all the jokes were intelligent in that way, but and even though not a lot yeah. of them were, there were some like that in there, just some clever inside stuff. Where if you were a fan of that stuff and you know a little bit about that stuff, you'd appreciate some of those inside jokes, you know? So those were still there, you know? Um, I think that was all I had to say, but yeah, I, overall, I just really did enjoy this movie. Like when it, you know, when it's on streaming services more than it is now, (laughs) um, when you don't necessarily have to pay for it, (laughs) I would watch it again. You know, it's, um, it's a good movie. It's entertaining. It's it's a fun one, you know, to just have on. Um, yeah, I think it's, I just really, I liked how they did this movie. And it wasn't necessarily what I expected either. Like, I didn't, I didn't know necessarily what to expect, but this was, it was better than I expected. It was just a more stylish movie. And I love stylish movies like that. So I, I really... I think they pulled off what they were trying to do really well. 
And again, it's sort of like a few other movies we've seen where it could super easily fall flat of what it was trying to do. Like it could so easily have gone the way of like, that's not really working as a fashion statement or stuff like that, where you, it could have very easily gone the other way, even with, you know, casting decisions or things like that. But it just, they did just enough for everything it needed to do that it pulls off what it's trying to accomplish. And again, really my, my only big thing is at the end there, what is her end game? Like, what is her goal? What is her, her purpose beyond, you know, Cruella is now the rightful heir of everything. And, you know, what was her purpose? Like, what is she doing from here? And they didn't really make that super clear. And that's kind of probably my biggest issue with it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, um, like, like, like we said, you know, we definitely recommend this and, it is a good film. Like the, like we said, the sum of its parts is better and way more positive than any of the negatives you can draw from it. And yeah, there are little things here and there, like, you know, like whenever the Baroness is revealing her plan and um, pushing uh, Estella or Cruella off the cliff and everything. And then she turns around and she didn't notice the big <laughs> crowd of people right. who came outside and saw her from behind. You know, if you really want to pick this apart, yes, there are little things here and there. And you're like, okay, could that have happened? Or would, 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 would she have known how to invent a parachute? You know, there are things that, that if you really wanted to pick this apart, you could, but right. I mean, I don't know. I feel like those are nitpicks. Like I think overall, this was a solid story and it is a good film. And like I said, I think it's just one of those where it works better looking at it as two separate things. Like this yeah. is a movie based on a character that came from a long time ago, but this is an update. This is a reimagining. And I think because they weren't afraid to reimagine the character and tell their own story and not yeah. be so beholden to the original source material, it worked more than it had any right to work. And it was because they, <laughs> right. they were willing to kind of go a different direction. Yeah. They so took I liberties think, with it. Yeah. Yeah. So even though it can be argued that maybe that is a weakness of it because it wasn't true to the character that we knew or originally knew, I think because they went a new direction, we got a better story. We got a more inspired effort out of mm. this story because they weren't trying to please, that they weren't trying to just stay. Because sometimes I think when you're trying to just be like the original source material, sometimes that can create a handcuff for yeah. your directing, for your, your storytelling, and yeah, and your creativity. Sometimes trying to say, oh, it's got to be just like this book, or it's got to be just like this comic book, or it's got to be just like the cartoon or the original movie that came out in the 1980s, or whatever the case may be. I think that sometimes... In trying to do that, you actually wind up doing less, you know, than you originally set out to do. But when you kind of say, you know what, let's let this breathe. 
let's just make our movie. And you know what? It's loosely based on Cruella. Cruella is on the marquee. That's going to get people into the door. That's going to get the Disney name behind it. That's going to sell some tickets. But when they get here, let's really give them something beyond just what they've seen before. And if that was the goal, the movie accomplishes that. So, yeah, I mean, and for me, at the end of the day, this movie made me care about a villain and a character that I really never even thought of or cared about before. So in that sense, it did a good job for me, at least. Um, Yeah. Like I, I, there's no way that I would sit around and be like, you know what? I really want to know more about Cruella or, you know what? I, I think she's probably (laughs) the villain that I, what happened to her? You know, like we need more Cruella in our lives. Like never in my life was that something I, I would have said, but this movie made me care about her and appreciate her as a character more because of this reinvention and reimagining that they did of her character. So at the end of the day, that means for me, it did its job. Therefore I enjoyed this movie. Yeah. And honestly, out of the villain origin, like movies that I've seen like this, this is probably my favorite one. Like, Mm. honestly, um, You know, I saw the first Maleficent. I really didn't like that. And I didn't even watch the second Maleficent because I just, (laughs) I thought I had seen enough after watching that first one. But this was better. I, I think that this was a better movie. It was better acted. It was more stylish. It was more visually pleasing. It was an easy watch. It wasn't boring. It was funny at times. Like, yeah. I really think that this was a solid effort. So, I mean, if there is, if, so if this movie is making the case that, look, we can take these villains and even if we don't give you exactly what you remember from the cartoon or what you remember from the original story. Um, even if we don't quite give you that, but we will give you something fun, something imaginative and give you a different perspective of this character that you haven't seen before. And it's going to be a fun movie and you're, it's a fun two hours that you're going to enjoy. And we're going to have some good actors and actresses and they're going to really bring it. Shoot. I'm down. Give me more of it. You know, I'll yeah. take it. I, I, I'll take it before I take something that is too busy trying to be like the original that it doesn't have its own voice. So, yeah, I guess I have made a decision. That's where I fall on it. So, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, and if Cruella's they're going to good in my book, <laughs> if they're going to make a Maleficent 2, then I feel sure they will probably make a Cruella 2. But that's just me. <laughs> I don't know. So we will see. I don't know. Maybe we'll get a Scar movie next, next, or maybe we'll get like a, which would be interesting. I still want that Scar movie. And I know that Sterling does too. I know he wants his Scar movie where Scar is the hero and the, the, the (laughs) other arist and and it's about him being treated badly by these aristocrat lions or whatever. So, uh, but, but I don't know. That might be a character where, I don't know. He might be too memorable. And too much may have happened to where I don't know how you make him sentimental. <laughs> right. He's that Knowing villain you remember. You remember that yeah, villain. Yeah, that's, yeah, he's too memorable. And people 
think of him too much as one way. So you probably couldn't get away with that with him. But but we'll see. You know, we'll see. Stranger things have happened. So we will see. Right. All right. But anyway, I guess that'll do it for this episode of Cinema Slayers. And remember, you can catch us on Instagram and Twitter, cinema underscore slayers. Go to Cinema Slayers Podcast on Facebook. Give us a like. And please let us know um, if you're liking these episodes. Um, we always are proposing questions or we're doing off-script episodes where we ask people questions or what what they think of the movies that we watch or which we're asking for topics and things like that. So we want to hear from you. So please just interact, interact, interact with Cinema Slayers wherever it may be. And once again, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Cinema Slayers. One more time. Cruella, Cruella, DeVille. Bam. There we go. Nice.